Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. A warmer, brotherly love. Welcome to Love Las Vegas with Tim Skizzoops with myself, Greg Eats Peters. And now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, we've got a tremendous podcast for you. We're going to be keeping this one to two parts. We're going to be joined in segment number two by Jim Root, one of the tremendous gentlemen over there at the Three Man Week. We're going to be talking with him about what we all saw from St. John's on Wednesday. The fact that they pick up Chris Ludlum, I'll be touching upon that in a minute as well what they've all been doing with this roster. And we're going to be diving into what to expect out of the St. John's team. I think that it's very interesting with regards to a scheme fit for a lot of these guys. What we're going to be seeing in terms of just the way that they are going to be functioning on offense. Do we expect them to be a little bit more of an up-tempo team? Do we think that they're going to be a little bit more low and slow as they've got a lot of guys that were studs at the mid-major level that are going to be playing for them. So we're going to be diving in on that front. On top of that, we're going to be taking a little bit of a look at the Big 12. I know that there's a team out there that might be a little bit off the beaten path that he thinks that there's a little bit of upside on. On top of that, I am also going to be just diving in with him a little bit on Kentucky. What can we expect out of them? What were the takeaways that we had from the Global Jam there? So that is going to be coming up in segment number two. Here in segment number one, just going to give you guys a little bit of a recap of what we saw with St. John's on Wednesday because that was the main form of news that we did see. So I'm just going to give you guys a few quick thoughts there before we dive in a little bit more in segment number two with Jim. And if you ever do have a question, comment, segment idea, what have you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways we offer those in. First one is my Twitter timeline at Janet underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. Amy does not matter. As per usual, please do send these into the timeline. Other ways, find an Apple podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you are able to fire in whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. And just with regards to getting set for the upcoming season as well. We're going to be continuing conference previews within the next few days. Probably going to mix up the Macs because I did the Metro Atlantic Mac on the podcast a few days ago. I don't want to have the Mac and the Mac together, so I'll probably do the Missouri Valley Conference just to break that up so that way people don't get confused with regards to the conferences. I'm probably going to do the Missouri Valley Conference and then do the actual MAC Mac. So that's sort of a lay of the land there because typically I go in alphabetical order with regards to these and save the Power 6 
for the end of the offseason, but that's sort of the plan that we've got there, and I'll probably be doing that Missouri Valley Conference preview over the weekend, but in terms of what we did see on Wednesday, you did see Chris Lombu was very solid for Harvard. He was thinking that he was going to be going to Tennessee. Josiah Jordan-James, it looks like, is back to the fold for Tennessee, so he decommits, and now he's heading on over to St. John's. For Ludlum, very good all-around player. Six foot six, do-it-all guy, 18.5 points, 8.5 boards, 1.8 steals, 1.1 blocks per game. He's capable of shooting three. He's only shot about 29.5% from three-point range last season, but very strong guy down low. Going to be able to help out a St. John's team that, let's call it what it is, lots of moving parts and the... Um, Ripple effect of this, and I would not be surprised if we see another player or two for St. John's decide that they are going to re-enter into the transfer portal as well. That'd be Quinn Slesnitsky deciding that he is not going to be riding with Rick Pitino and company this season. I don't know how that went down behind the scenes, but for Slesnitsky, he averaged last season at Iona in a very small seven-game sample size. He was injured throughout much of the year last year. A little bit over 11 points, 5.7 boards, two assists per contest. Just really didn't feel like Iona necessarily functioned too terrifically when he was out there on the floor, but he's a tremendously talented six foot eight, a little bit of a stretch player throughout his career. His average right around 31% three-point shooting actually began his career at Louisville, which is where the tie-in between he and Rick Pitino is. And in his last full season at Iona, during the 2021-22 season, obviously, followed Rick Pitino from Iona over to St. John's before decommitting. Averaged more like 8.5 points, 3 boards, shot about 34% from 3-point range. So a guy that is able to stretch a floor, but going to be very interesting to see how these parts all mold together because you've obviously got Joel Soriano, your main rebounder, when it comes to St. John's, but Jordan Dingle is a do-it-all scorer that comes in from the Ivy League. He was playing at Penn last season. He's obviously going to be one of the focal points of this offense, but for St. John's, You've got a lot of new pieces like Sean Conway is a solid three-point shooter and a do-it-all guy that comes in from VMI. Dehima Lean didn't do a lot at UConn last year, but two seasons ago at Virginia Tech was very solid in the ACC. He's able to knock down some buckets. I've got my question marks as to Sakuro Abiani Ao. I'm sure that I screwed up that name. I apologize to the young gentleman that was transferring over from Iona. Cruz Davis, they are most likely going to be afterthoughts. You bring in someone like Glenn Taylor Jr. who put up okay numbers at Oregon State. Got to be wondering what sort of numbers he gets there. But someone like Zuby Elgifor, he's coming in. That's going to be big. You get the young kid in Wiltshire. Simeon Wiltshire was a top 50 recruit. He decides to come in as well. There's just a lot of parts here. RJ Louise is someone who's six foot six that's able to shoot three. So St. John's, they've got a lot of talent on this roster. How that's going to come together, that is a question. And we're going to be asking that question to our good friend in Jim Root. He does absolutely tremendous work over at the three-man weave. Diving in on St. John's. We're going to dive in a little bit on the Big 12. And also we're going to be taking a look at the lay of the land in the SEC and what to make out of Kentucky and what they did over at the... Mobile Jam. That is up next right here on Cuscoes with myself, Craig Peterson, now a part of the Houston Family Podcast. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. 
You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. So I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. 
lovely Las Vegas for Ghost Ghost with myself, Craig Hughes Peterson, now a part of the Visa Family Podcast. It is always great to be joined by this man as we've got Jim Root aboard. He is one third of the three man weave, a entity that you're able to find at the number 3MW underscore CBB. He does an absolutely incredible job taking a look at the game of college basketball. Top of that, I know that he, Matt Cox, along with Kai McKee, the other gentlemen of the three man weave, they do great work over at Action Network. They do great work over at the Field of 68, and they, much like myself, are doing incredible work getting set for the upcoming college basketball season, as I know that they're going to be playing a big hand in running up the Almanac to get you set for the upcoming college basketball season, and to be able to follow Jim on Twitter. And it's at Second Chance Points. That's the number two ND Chance Points altogether. And Jim, always a pleasure, my friend. Thank you. Yep, thanks for having me, Greg. Pleasure to be here. Appreciate the Almanac plug right off the top. We're hard at work on that. I've done about almost 30 coach interviews already. So yeah, we're well into the process and getting more and more excited for the upcoming season. Yep, and I know that you and one of my friends over at VEASAN, Tim Murray, were calling for Cam Whitmore to be Summer League MVP at 16-1. to So Kudos to you for being able to have a nice call on that one. And for those that were calling for a lot of calamity with St. John's this offseason, and I mean, for the most part, good calamity because we have seen a lot of talent added to that roster. You'd be correct as well as we did see really one of the biggest things from college basketball over the last few weeks in general is the way that St. John's has been maneuvering that roster. Latest move came on Wednesday. Chris Ludlum was an 18-point-per-game score, was a part of a very good Harvard defense. Offense left a little bit of something to be desired, but a very good defense. He is out in the fold for St. John's, and immediately after Quinzelisniski, he is now out of the fold, and he is looking for a new home. But what do you make out of the St. John's roster? Because there's lots of talent there, but there's a lot of up transfers for one and two. I do have question marks as to how everything is going to mesh together. Yeah, it's a lot of disparate parts. Guys that have been in very, very different roles at other places, like Ledlin, number one offensive option on his team. Even Glenn Taylor was at Oregon State. Dingle, Jenkins, number one offensive option. So, I mean, those guys are going to have to figure out how to share the ball. Certainly anticipate Rick Pitino being a coach capable of figuring that out. But yeah, I mean, does this team really fit the way he defends in terms of kind of liking to extend pressure, get into guys defensively? That is not Jordan Dingle's forte, but some of those wings can really do that. He's got a big-time rim protector in Soriano, RJ Luis, and Nahim Aline obviously comes from a winning pedigree, having just gotten a national title at UConn. So there's there's definitely intrigue with them. I think the upside's pretty high, but at the same time, there is some downside. There is a wide range of outcomes just because, man, how is this all going to fit together? I, I didn't even mention Wilcher, the late freshman commit. It's probably going to be commanding touches right away. So it could be a little bit of a mess, especially early, but it's just one of those things where you give a coach as good as Patino enough talent, and I think it'll probably work out in the end. Yep, I think so as well. I do think that with Rick Pitino, you never want to question, in my opinion, one of the greatest coaches to really ever do it at the college level. But at the same time, any coach that is having this many moving parts, it is going to take a little bit of time as Jim Rudu does tremendous work over at the three-man weave is joining me on Coast Coast Hoops. And I just think it's going to be so interesting to see what sort of a style is played by St. John's as well because you've got really a band of parts that are talented, but like you said, they are going to be playing a little bit out of position. Jordan Dingle, he was a go-to scorer at Penn. You saw Chris Ludlum be just a little bit of a Swiss Army knife, do a little bit of everything sort of player at Harvard. As we know, Joel Soriano, he's a really good rebounder, and we did see Iona last year 
play a bit more up-tempo when they were out of conference. He already reads why their tempo is a bit slower in conference. It's just because when you play against Niagara, when you play against Fairfield, Maris, teams like that, there's some of the slowest teams in all of college basketball that's going to be dipping your overall possessions per game in the Big East. There's going to be certainly a faster tempo. Just what sort of a style do you think they will play? Because that's a big question mark on my mind for gauging totals with St. John's because I feel like they might be one of the biggest unknowns with that respect. Yeah, I would imagine up-tempo almost by necessity in terms of mouths to feed. Minutes-wise, shot-wise, they're going to want a lot of possessions to maximize that and try to keep guys happy. I think if they slow it down and you only have you know one or two double-digit scores, you might start to get some guys getting a little perturbed by that. So I would imagine Patino will want to get things moving a little bit. The depth does give him options in terms of lineups. You can go real big with, with Soriano and another big or... You could play a guy like Ledlam as a small ball five, which is kind of intriguing to me. He's such a wide body, strong type of guy that, you know, a couple minutes here and there with that type of lineup could really be tough for other teams to defend. Generally, though, yeah, like the thing I'm most uncertain about it is what they do defensively because he's got some zone traps that he'll mix in. He's been known to extend full court with certain rosters, but I don't know that he has the on-ball defenders that are going to make things super difficult on the, the opposition. Again, I kind of cited Dingle. Like, that's not really been his go-to shtick as a player. Maybe it's because his offensive workload was so big at Penn. But I could see them being a little bit more conservative defensively in terms of maybe not pressing. But in the half court, they're still going to get into you. That's that's kind of a staple of Patino. Make you uncomfortable to where you're not, you know, stepping into rhythm jumpers. You're always a little worried about who's poking away at the ball. Passing lanes, there's always guys lurking there. So disruptive, but maybe not full-on pressure. And then tempo-wise, I would guess up-tempo. And it does seem to tilt a little more towards an offensive roster. So in my mind, Greg, I'm going to be looking at overs with St. John's early. But... That's up for debate because, man, maybe the offensive pieces won't come together and they might not score efficiently. And we know that with St. John's back when Mike Anderson was there, they were playing very much up-tempo as well. Under Mike Anderson, though, as well, they were playing absolutely no defense whatsoever. And it was a little bit of a hodgepodge, to say the least, this past season. So it should be looking a little bit different there. And something else that was looking a little bit different, there's our segue, was Kentucky during the Global Jam. It felt like they were taking more threes than I'm accustomed to Kentucky taking, and they looked relatively solid. But all in all, what did you make out of how Kentucky looked at the Global Jam? Because this is a very young team, but they were able to get Trey Mitchell to essentially fall into their lap thanks to the calamity that we are seeing with West Virginia right now. And when it comes to Kentucky... I think that there's no doubt that there's talent on this roster. I think the biggest two questions are, one, the experience factor of this team being very, very low, and for two, just how they're going to be able to meld together as the season goes along. Yeah, I think it's going to be an erratic season for them. There's going to be some really impressive performances where all the young guys kind of figure things out together and shots go in, like you said, taking a little bit more from the perimeter in this Global Jam thing that they did, but There's going to be some games where the defensive rotations are really lacking because they're so young. They did add Mitchell late. It's going to be a key piece. And then you bring back Onyenso from the broken foot and Bradshaw from the broken foot. We saw some of those Duke freshmen last year. Lively took a little bit. Whitehead was never really quite the same. Broken feet for seven-footers is always a problem. So that's going to be a, a little bit of a question mark for me. And I'm throwing a tiny bit of cold water on this Kentucky offensive renaissance narrative that we have going right now. They basically had to play five out. Trey Mitchell was the only true big man on the roster, really, with Bradshaw and Yenso out. So 
that was the emphasis of the roster. I could see if they, you know, end up playing a little bit bigger with both those guys back, then it maybe starts to look a little bit more like a conventional Calipari offense. Uh, I know Kevin Sweeney at, at Sports Illustrated wrote up a nice summary on it, credited John Welch, the new assistant, for kind of revolutionizing the offense. We'll see if that carries all through the year because I don't know if Calipari is going to be willing to concede control that much for the whole season, but there's at least some intriguing options there. They've got guards that can get into the lane. They've got bigs that can shoot for like the first time ever with Mitchell. So it's intriguing, but overall, like I said, I think kind of erratic outcomes, wide variance for their, for their games. No question about it. It's Jim Rude, who does tremendous work over at the three-man weave, is joining me on Coast to Coast Hoops. And I think it's going to be really interesting to see how they do shape up in an SEC where I just take a look at the SEC and some people have Kentucky as a Final Four contender. I don't necessarily have them quite in that vein yet with the overall talent. Could they get there? Absolutely, they could. But I do need to see it to believe it a little bit more. Maybe my tune will be changing as the season goes along, maybe they're one of those teams that they peak in March because we have seen that from Kentucky a few different times. And as a matter of fact, Kentucky has usually done their best work in the NCAA tournament when they have not been a number one seed saying that Anthony Davis team. But I do take a look at the SEC as a whole. And I see a lot of top 15, top 20 teams. I don't necessarily that bona fide top five team. I'm not sure how you take a look at the SEC right now, but I do think that's a very interesting landscape. And I think it could almost be what the Big Ten have been in past years. You really don't have those bottom feeder teams aside from maybe like a South Carolina, but you've got a lot of teams that they're going to be on the fringe of the top 25, a lot of like seven, eight seeds in the NCAA tournament, but not really that one team that could bust through and make that Final Four run. Yeah, I I think because generally the league's done a really good job hiring coaches, especially, you know, the last couple of years, I think seven new ones, six last year, and then we'll miss with Chris Beardis offseason. And that's just kind of raised the floor for a lot of the programs. You know, a lot of the teams, it's, it's harder to be terrible, especially you get McMahon in his second year at LSU, Paris the second year at South Carolina. Perhaps those guys are able to to raise a level from where they were last year. At the top, though, yeah, I'm with you. I don't feel like top five contender is really there. I don't think Alabama has that quite high of a ceiling this year. They don't have the same kind of pro-caliber prospects that they did with Brandon Miller leading the way. I did see somebody do an article on Texas A&M's schedule in the SEC. It's, it's a pretty light in terms of the teams they play twice versus the teams they play once. I could see them getting fairly high up the seating line if that turns out to, to lead to a gaudy record in the conference. So A&M may be a team I'm keeping an eye on there. But, yeah, I'm not quite there with Tennessee. I'm not really there with Kentucky. I mean, people were talking about how this freshman class doesn't have star power like three weeks ago, and then suddenly Kentucky plays in the Global Jam, and people are like, look how good their freshmen are. And it's just, you know, let's not be prisoners of the moment, people. So I'm with you. The top caliber of the league isn't quite there, but depth really, really strong. And the teams that were bad last year, LSU, South Carolina, Ole Miss, Georgia, I think all got like measurably better and there's not a lot of teams that got a ton worse. Maybe Vanderbilt you could slot in there, but that's really about it. Yep, and even with Vanderbilt as well, I do think that they were able to do a nice job retaining some of the pieces from last year as well. Jerry Sackhouse has been impressing me a little bit as a coach because I thought once they had Liam Robbins go down last season that things were going to be much worse than what they were. So I do like the overall landscape of the SEC and one of those teams in that conference, Auburn, is a team that – the more I look at them, the more that I like them with G&I Broom coming back in the fold, Denver Jones being a transfer that should be able to help out the three-point shooting. They are a team I'm starting to feel a little bit more bullish on. I'm not sure as the offseason has gone along if, along if there's a few teams that sort of fit into that 
vector of the more that you look at them, the more that you warm up on them. But Auburn is one of mine. Anything really standing out for you on this front? I started to warm up to BYU a bunch recently. We did a top front courts, top shooting teams, top back courts kind of thing on the three-man weed pod. And, you know, with BYU getting Trevin Nell back from injury to go with Spencer Johnson and a bunch of the transfers they brought in, I was like, all right, this team's going to be able to shoot, including the guys they, they brought back from last year. The front court's really, really solid. I'm a big Fus Triore guy. I think he's going to continue to blossom, especially going into the Big 12. He's going to have to battle a ton, but they've got some depth up front too. And then they sort of figured things out a little last year at the point guard spot. It was like, is Rudy Williams going to be the guy? But then when they slotted down Hall there, they started to at least kind of take some sort of an uptick, and he's going to have that freshman to sophomore leap that we're always looking for for league guards, cut down on turnovers, get a little more comfortable with the speed of the game. I think that's going to be big for them. So BYU is definitely a team that I have warmed up to. The big catch for them is they're playing in the Big 12, and the Big 12 is going to be an absolute knife fight every single night. So that that's the tough part for them, the challenge. But I think it's going to be like a top 50 team, a chance to make the NCAA tournament if they can get enough victories in the Big 12. Yeah, with BYU, I do think that they're a really interesting team bringing in the likes of Ali Khalifa and company, I think is going to be able to elevate them. And out there in the Big 12, another team that I've been talking up quite a bit, and I feel very bullish about them, is Texas Tech. Because I think in terms of coaching hires that we saw this offseason, Mark Madsen along with Grant McCaslin, two guys that we saw make deep runs in the NIT, they are two of the top ones in my opinion. And I just take a look at the way that Texas Tech has been a real retool this roster here late in the portal period with Joe Toussaint falling into their lap once again, them being beneficiaries of what happened with West Virginia, them being able to get, get Devin Cambridge, who it looked like was going to Oregon, decommits, goes to Texas Tech. I feel like they're one of the big winners and in a Big 12 that I still feel like is by far the best conference in all of college basketball. I think that they can make some immediate noise if they just continue to play that style of basketball that we saw Graham McCaslin instill at North Texas the past few years. Yeah, I love Texas Tech this year. I think they're not going to be a sexy team to watch because they're going to play a lot of rock fights similar to North Texas. But I'm just so confident that that's going to be like a top 15 defense. Warren Washington is like a cheat code to that level defensively he's been such a good rim protector defensive rebounder he's very good positionally and he's got a little mobility as a seven footer so you slot him in there you get McCaslin's scheme uh, a guy like Cambridge Toussaint those guys bring a lot defensively as well I know that maybe people would just look at like the per game stuff with North Texas because they played so slow but if you go by more efficiency numbers they're still top 25 defense two straight years that's North Texas like that is not a school that is anywhere close to that normally I think that tells you how good McCasland is. And with even a slightly higher talent level to work with, that team's going to be fantastic. I think they'll be right in the mix with the Big 12 near the top, maybe not quite at, at the Kansas level or anything, but I, I have them as a, a surefire NCAA tournament team. Yep, I'm right there with you. I do think that with Texas Tech, they're certainly not the team that is going to be contending with Kansas or anything like that, but you're looking for an upside team. And if you're looking for a team that they might be able to cover those games against your teams like Kansas, if you're looking for someone that is going to be very competitive against your top 10, top 15 teams in the conference, they're probably going to be that team because they're going to be such a pest to play against. I think that they are going to be sticking with that super slow North Texas style. Don't know if Graham McCaslin is going to have his team number one in the country in terms of fewest possessions per game like he did last season, but I think that's going to be slow, tough defense, and I do think that there's going to be success right away there. And 
We are always successful on this podcast when we get you aboard, Jim. You do amazing work at Three Man Weave. I know you're hard at work on your conference previews as well, so let the good people at home know it's all on tap for you and how people can follow along on social media and other platforms. Yeah, not a ton happening right now, so no immediate plugs really. Um, but yeah, the Almanac, keep an eye out for that. We should have some announcements coming in the next couple of weeks about where you can find it, potential pre-order. We're going to have some marketing material out there, so we're excited about that. Like I said, hard at work behind the scenes on getting all that writing done, all those uh, those coach interviews. So that's coming. And then on the Three Man Weave College Basketball Podcast, taking this week off as we're talking because uh, our, our buddy Kai McEwen is on vacation. But next week we've got our Jeopardy episode, something we do in the off season with the help of our friend Russ Hainline from Seconds to Madness Podcast. He comes on, plays the Alex Trebek role, and gives us categories, questions. We compete uh, among the weave and it's usually fun for people to listen to because there's a lot of good trivia and there are a lot of fun categories that Russ comes up with. So definitely encourage people to check that out. Fun little off-season episode of our podcast over there at Three Man Weave. The gentlemen of the Three Man Weave do absolutely incredible work. And every single time we get Jim on this podcast, I feel like we get a little bit more enlightened about the game of college basketball. So big thanks to Jim for joining me on Coast Coast Hoops, now part of the Beast Family Podcast. And if you do like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Coast to Coast Hoops, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Conference previews are in full swing on this podcast, as you guys have been hearing, because I do want to break up the two max. Most likely, the Missouri Valley Conference is going to be the next one to come your way before we continue on with the M's, taking a look at the MAC. Going to probably do the Mountain West within the next few weeks as well, but we're going to get a conference preview for all 32 of these conferences. And then once we do that, we are going to be set for the upcoming season where I'll be giving you guys picks and analysis on every single game, every single day. So I appreciate you guys tuning in today. I'm with you guys every single day this year. Rain, shine, games or not, I'm here with you guys. So I appreciate you tuning in today. I'll be back with you once again tomorrow. Thank you. Hi, listener. I'm Carol Fisher, the host of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister. I'm so excited for you to hear the brand new season where we're uncovering a 35-year-old mystery. But for those of you who didn't hear season one or just want to listen to it again, you can now get access to all episodes of that first season of The Girlfriends 100% ad-free through the iHeart True Crime Plus subscription, which is available exclusively on Apple Podcasts. You'll also get access to every single episode of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister, ad-free and one week early, only available to iHeart True Crime Plus subscribers. So what are you waiting for? Head to Apple Podcasts, search for iHeart True Crime Plus, and subscribe today. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.